This talk is from our series on Covenant. Journey with us as we ask what does Covenant mean and what relevance does it have in our relationship with Jesus. For more information, other resources and media, please visit citychurchleads.net. I want to tell you, before I get into the talk this morning, I want to tell you a little story. And this story uh, goes back to um, days of yore, times past, history, in fact ancient history, uh, when I was a student. And I lived with several other people in what was a little fishing cottage in this East Kent village called Whitstable. <clears throat> and just along from where our house was, there was a little village store called Sunshine Stores. <laughs> it was a delightful place. I wish I could take you there. And Sunshine Stores was run by uh, these two dear old ladies who probably had a collective age of about 200, I should think. And they were known amongst us, rather irrespectfully, I have to say, as the biddies. Um, and they ran the Sunshine Stores. Now, <clears throat> in 1971, uh, catastrophe struck Sunshine Stores. And it was called decimalization. You remember it, Brian. I do. And there's a few other people in this room who remember decimalization. Well, it was that time when we in this country, we went from pound, pounds, shillings, and pence to foreign money. <laughs> that was the time when 20 shillings made a pound. <laughs> yeah. No, exactly, exactly. And 12 pence made a... Sh pennies, 12 pennies, I'm sorry. 12 pennies made a shilling. It was? Oh, I'm so pleased you're here. You're making my point for me, which is great. Now... Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, I had an old penny at home which I forgot to bring with me. I was going to pass it around. But this was the thing, that there were 240 of these old pennies made up a pound. And uh, there was a thing called half a crown. Do you remember that? Two, two and sixpence. Now, a, two, a half a crown, it was about the size of a tin lid. And it, it weighed about the equivalent of a small van, you know. It, these th you'd have a number of these things in your pocket and you'd be lopsided. And <clears throat> here we were, suddenly going from this old form of currency to something new. Well, the biddies, they kept the faith. They decided that they were going to have none of this newfangled currency. They were going to continue to run the sunshine stores using old money. Well, you can imagine, can't you? It wasn't long before the sunshine stores went out of business and closed its doors for the last time. Why am I telling you this quaint little story? Well, it's for this reason that those dear old ladies, they grew up at a time when they didn't just know the names of these coins, but they were used to handling them. And they, were used, they, they knew the value and the worth of these old coins. They could even tell by putting their hand into uh, a purse or into the till, they could tell by the feel and the weight of these coins, what they were, before even looking at them. They appreciated the value. They knew the feel and the weight. 
In our day, we have words like that. We have words where we know the name, but increasingly in our culture, we've lost contact with the time and the history which gave those things meaning. We've lost the sense of the value and the worth that is tied up in those words. We've lost the sense of the feel and the weight of those words. And I want to suggest to you that this word covenant is one such word. And so what we're doing over these next few weeks and where we started last time what we're doing is we're seeking to re-establish and to regain a sense of this hard currency that gives meaning to our relationship with God. God has joined himself in covenant with us. And we want to be able to understand just what that means so that we, in our time, are able to fulfill everything that God is wanting and calling us to do in our time. Amen? Are you with me so far? So last week, Adam, who was here, he began talking about how covenant begins and ends with God. It is God's own nature that covenant existed in the Godhead before we even came into being. And what God has done is extended that out and has included us within that covenant. And today, what we're going to talk about and what we're going to walk through together is the blood covenant. Now, this is a topic which is not for the squeamish. Uh, Kate will tell you um, that even when the music starts playing for Holby City, I'm out through the door. I'm one of those people who has quite a vivid imagination. If, I'm, if, if something comes on a film which is blood and guts, I'm there behind the sofa because it's stuff that I don't like. But today, if you like, I'm going to ask you to use your imagination because that's exactly the kind of territory that we're going to go into. While we're doing this, what I'd like us to do, um, if you're willing, um, like I said, this is going to be a walkthrough. Uh, we're going to follow a process of what cutting the covenant actually would have meant. So we're going to go through this together. That sounds kind of fun, doesn't it? Um, unfortunately, I will not be slaying any heifers here. But in your mind and in your imagination, I want you to get there, okay? Um, now, as we do this, I'm going to ask you, please, if anything which you see or hear, if that triggers something else that's familiar to you, if it speaks of something else, I want you, please, just to raise your hand. And uh, I don't know where the microphone's gone. Is it still around here? If somebody would please be my microphone carrier. Thank you, Paul. Um, Paul will come to you and I want you just in one line to say what that particular thing speaks of. Now you'll get the hang of this as we're going through but I'm asking you just to kind of think, oh yeah, I'm beginning to connect, I'm beginning to join this up. I'm beginning to see how this actually relates, how it applies. So, okay, now then, first thing, um, I'm going to ask this side of the room and I'm going to ask this side of the room if you would please from amongst yourselves appoint one representative one to represent this side and one to represent this side
Okay, we have, we have a representative. Esther, you've just been volunteered. Right, who are we going to have from this side of the room? John, okay. Right, John, I'd like you please to stand. Esther, I'd like you please to stand. I'd like you to come to this point of the room, please. Face each other. Now, you, you probably won't need those, John. They, they didn't have those in that day. Um, now, I would like you just to do one very simple thing, and that is to shake hands. Okay? Have you all got that? Yeah? Okay, now, please just separate your hands. Now, I want you to imagine that before shaking hands, these two have very deliberately cut the palm of their hand so that the blood flows. So now, with blood flowing from the palm of their hands, running down their wrist and down their arm, I want you to shake hands again. Now what's happening is that the sight of the cut and the blood that is flowing is being mingled. In some cases this would have happened and these would have been bound together just for a moment. So that the blood was being mingled together. Okay, thank you. Uh, I'm going to ask you if you wouldn't mind taking your seats close to this site because I'm going to need you again. Well, you said to put a hand up, but you weren't actually watching. I wasn't watching, I'm but like Paul, going, yes, yes. Paul was vigilant, <laughs> so thank you. Well, right. I don't know if that's right or not, but it was just when you said the, the blood flowed down uh, through the, from the hand and stuff. That obviously reminds me of Jesus with the nails and the blood flowing. Wonderful. Thank you. Um, tuck these things away because they are going to be significant. This, <clears throat> this action that you've just watched was part of this solemn process of cutting the covenant. The mingling of the blood, it's about life. It's not about death. It's about life, and it's about a joining of life from which there is no exit. Okay, I've given you one little bit of the picture here, and what we're going to do, we're just going to roll back, and we're going to go to the beginning of the process. Now, I want you to imagine, please, that you are, in fact either a tribe or a family. So this is one tribe and this is another tribe. And what you've done is that you have agreed that you are going to join forces with the other tribe. That there are benefits to be gained by forming this alliance. <clears throat> now, let's say, for example, that this tribe here, you are, you are a warrior tribe. You are the military caste. Okay? So you are experienced in the art of war. You have trained yourselves. You have honed your skills. You are strong for battle. You're wondering who this lot are, aren't you? Right, now then, you, I'll give you a choice here, you could be a farming tribe, you could be, or you could be a merchant tribe, you prefer to be the merchant, you prefer to be out there making the money. Now what this means is <clears throat> that you are highly skilled in making the land productive, or you are highly skilled in trade and in generating wealth. So, 
you warrior people, you would gain a lot from the provision that could come from this side, from this tribe over here. You, you merchants or you farmers, you would gain a lot from the protection that would come from this tribe over here. You agree? So you agree that you are going to cut the covenant and you are going to join yourselves to one another for the sake of your mutual protection, your benefit and your growth and, let it be said, your survival. So, in order for you to come to that place where you're going to cut the covenant, <clears throat> you need to do a few things. But let me just point this out, that this alliance that you are about to form is not an alliance that's based upon your similarities. It's based on your differences. So covenant was about joining difference. Now that's, okay, that's a kind of fresh thought, isn't it? That we don't just join up with the people who are like us, but we deliberately go out and we find where the differences are. Think of that in relation to... I'll pause. We have a contributor here. Thank you, Becca. Um, that just reminds me of when we talk about the body of Christ being, having different parts, um, and each part has to do its bit to contribute to the whole and the function of the Wonderful. whole. Wonderful. Wonderful. So we're hearing here, covenant as it's extended into the body of Christ, joining up the differences. It reminds me of man and woman as well, who are so different. <laughs> amen, amen, amen. Yes, thank you. But he really quite likes, you know, some people. <laughs> John has just made my next point for me. When we apply it to marriage, actually what we're doing is we're joining difference and thereby, when we learn to manage those differences, we are harnessing strength to strength. Amen? Yeah? Good. Okay. So, in order to come to that place where these two can come together, there needs to have been a season of some pretty deep discussions going on. Actually discovering. So, really, what can we bring to this arrangement? What can we bring to this arrangement? What are the benefits, what are the blessings that will come as a result of us joining in an alliance with these people and vice versa? Now this is, as I said, this is a part of a solemn process because in joining the covenant it wasn't just about what are the goodies that we gain from this, there was also some consequences. So, this discussion of the terms, it wasn't just about the promises and the privileges, it was also about the curses and the consequences. Because if either side was going to breach this covenant, it was invoked as a holy thing. And both sides knew that consequences would follow if that breach ever occurred. And so this was something to be entered into, not lightly, but soberly. Yeah? You've heard that in the marriage ceremony, haven't you? Yeah? So there would have been this discussion about the terms that went on beforehand. I say sober because in the days that we're speaking of, this would even be, this commitment would even be at the cost of your own life. You're saying, we will enter into this covenant and we are putting our lives on the line for the sake of these that we have joined covenant with, these that we have joined blood with. <clears throat> Something else that is very, very sobering about this is that it wasn't just for those who were present at the time, it was for generations that would follow. So, you and your children 
and your grandchildren would be committed by the act that you entered into on this particular day. There's a Bible story which I read just recently where there's a, a bunch of people called the Gibeonites who come to David one day and they say, we entered into, or rather Saul, King Saul of Israel, he made an oath to us, but he broke his oath. Now they came to him and they said, we, we're Gibeonites, we have no inheritance in Israel, we are nothing as far as all that you are um, all that you're concerned for, but we're just presenting our case. And David, he recognized the force of the covenant that Saul had entered into. And because two generations before, Saul had broken covenant, he said to the Gibeonites, I am not, for Jonathan's sake, I'm not going to give you his two children, but you can take the seven grandchildren of Saul by two of his other wives, and you can do with them according to the terms of the covenant. Now that's serious stuff, isn't it? Do you know what happened to them? The Gibeonites, who had no rights under Israel, but because of the strength of the covenant, David permitted them, because of divine justice, to take the seven grandchildren of Saul and slaughter them. That, that was the power of the covenant that was understood in those days. And you think, wow, hang on a minute. That's a bit heavy duty, isn't it? Yes, absolutely it was. So we're talking about something which is rooted in the order of God, which is really, really deep. So having discussed your terms, the next thing you do is you select your champion, your representative. Now these would be, in this case, this would be your finest warrior. This would be the one who most fully represented who you are as a people. This would be the one who you would look to in the battle and think, he's still standing, we're okay. He's the one who you would be wanting to say, I'm with him. Now this is the key. He would stand, but he would stand for you, not in his own right, but because your blood is flowing in his veins. You are the same tribe. You are the same family line. You have the same origin. You have the same heritage. Your blood is in him. For you, let's say... This is the merchant table over here, so we'll stick with the merchants. Your champion, she, she is the one who cuts the best deals. She is the one who finds where the good deals are. Is that right? Yeah. She's the one who money just seems to find its way to her. She's the one who attracts wealth. She's the one who forms somehow... Those kind of partnerships which just seem to work and everybody does good. So, you select your champion. And your champion, the creme de la creme, the blood of your tribe, flowing in them, they stand to represent you. Now let me just throw in one thought here. Have you ever wondered why Jesus had to come as a man? He was called, wasn't he? Son of man. Have you ever wondered why?
your blood is your blood is flowing in his veins he is your champion that's good isn't it and we haven't even got to cutting the covenant yet next thing you do once you've actually identified your champion you what you then do is you select a site a place where this event is to be enacted this this solemn ceremony where the two tribes can gather where it's visible to everybody where you can hear what's going on you can see what's going on and you assemble at the site where covenant is about to be cut now this is the bit where i'm going to ask you to use your imagination at this point you bring an animal a big animal a bull a heifer something that you'd probably need you know a little bit of muscle to organize you bring it to the site and there in front of the whole gathering the animal is slaughtered and then strangely that animal is split not across but split from skull to tail and carved right down the middle um at this point you're thinking that is messy and you would be right this animal split from head to tail is then laid out one half one way one half the other way and i want you just to kind of again use your imagination a little bit here because what we've got here right in the middle of this site is one great big field of blood and offal and guts and oh it was disgusting if you were watching up on the side of the you know say it was like two hillsides here and this was a bit of a valley um <clears throat> what you'd have got was not only the sight of this thing and it, i mean it would take a while wouldn't it to butcher this do you agree I mean you think about that you're splitting it right down the spine carving all the way through this rotten thing um and once you get into it there's blood everywhere and I tell you the smell would be frightful I don't have any of you ever been have any anyone ever butchered an animal you've been to an abattoir am i right it is it is awful yeah so what you've got in front of you is this thing happening it's disgusting blood everywhere the smell is overpowering <clears throat> and this is a day already this is a day you are not going to forget easily correct that is imprinted not just on your visual senses this is imprinted on all of your senses so it's not going to go away so here we have the halves of this big animal laid out the field in between awash with blood <clears throat> and now our two champions come forth 
So I want you, please, to stand up. And if you had, did you bring a coat with you this morning? Did you, John? The next part of this ceremony meant that these two champions, they would exchange some highly symbolic tokens. The first thing they'd exchange would be their coat. Now, you might be able to get that one on. I'm not sure John would be able to get that one on. <laughs> but in one sense, it doesn't matter. You can just, just put it around your shoulders for a moment. <clears throat> See? <laughs> now, now, this is okay. Listen. This guy is a warrior. He's got shoulders like this. He's got biceps. He's got guns like, you know. So, he's, he's putting on the... Uh, the coat of the merchant, which is hardly fitting for him. But let me explain what the coat represents. The coat, it stands for who, who he is. It stands for his position. It stands for his authority. And that position... That status, that authority, that's just been exchanged with the representative of this tribe over here. It's saying something. It's saying all that I am, all that I represent, all the authority that I have is at your disposal. Can I have Pat, please? Where's Paul gone? Paul? Pat, please? I'm just reminded that at Calvary, Jesus gave up his coat, his robe, mm. and he laid down all his power and authority that that symbol invoked. Very good. Another one? Oh, over here. Reminds me of the prodigal son, when um, Good. yeah, when the um, the father puts the cloak on him and he gives him the ring, and it's just that um, you know Means father so son much relationship, more, it? isn't it? Yeah, it can't be broken. So the father is giving to the son this robe that represents everything he is. Yeah. So, oh, Claire, come on. <clears throat> Are you with this? Are you? Is, is this? There's Elijah and Elisha as well in the Old Testament. Yes. The cloak falls to the ground and Elisha yeah. picks it up. This is Very good. Very good. We start, don't we? We start to understand the Bible. When we understand covenant, we understand the Bible. So, <clears throat> the next thing which these two do, they exchange their belt or their girdle. I'm not going to ask you to take that out, it's all right. Um, yeah. Now, in the times that we're talking about, the belt or the girdle, it would have been that part of the um, individual's attire on which, in this case, on which would have hung the weapons of the warrior, the sword, the quiver, whatever it was, the belt stood for the weaponry. Or it was the, the tools of their trade. So, in the exchange, what's happening is that the two parties are saying, my strength, my skill, my expertise, my experience, I'm sharing it with you. These things are there for you to call upon at any time. Mark. Immediately brings to mind Ephesians 6. I'm putting on the whole armor of God. Spot on. And that he gave it away. Spot on. It, it completely makes a whole new vision, doesn't it, of Ephesians 6, where it speaks about the armor of God. 
Whose armour is it? It's our covenant God. Everything that I have is at your disposal. <clears throat> Brilliant. So, having exchanged their, uh, their tokens... By the way, do you remember, um, it's in 1 Samuel 18, this, where David and Jonathan, it says they, make, they made a covenant. Jonathan gives to David his tunic and his belt. It wasn't just a nice gesture. He wasn't just saying, here, have some of my stuff. When you read this in the context of the covenant, what he was saying was, here, I am, here am I, the heir to the throne. I am giving you my authority. I am giving you my strength. And throughout your life, and that of your children's children, it's there for you to call on. Okay, so you've now exchanged these tokens of who you really are. I want you to go and stand at opposite ends, please, of the field of blood. <clears throat> opposite ends. Remember, there's, there's a blooming great half a cow or something <laughs> here, so you're not going to go climbing over that, at least not in a hurry anyway. Now then, what I want you to do... Uh, and please, use your imagination here. I want you to walk through that field of blood until you meet in the middle. Okay? Now then, here are these two, your champions. <coughs> Up to their ankles in blood. Uh, they're not the only ones who didn't get away clean that day. You think about the people who slaughtered that thing. This was a messy business. But in the middle of the field of blood, what they do, they restate the terms of the covenant. Those terms which you agreed, the things that you were going to share, the benefits and the blessings, the privileges and the promises, the curses and the consequences. They rehearse that in the field of blood. And then, what they do is that they swear an oath. We've lost the power of that, but they swear an oath. Remember Saul? They swear an oath on behalf of their respective tribe to keep the covenant and to call upon themselves the consequences of not walking in it if that should happen. Do you follow the seriousness of that? What they, what they are just doing? They're calling on God as witness to say that we will stand by the promise we make and we stand, we stand before you and we say, you, Lord God, have the right to enact the consequences if we walk away from it. This was serious business. Now it's at this point <clears throat> when they cut. It was either the palm of the hand or it would be the forearm. And what they would do then is to either clasp their hands or to join the forearms. If you would, thank you. And at that point, that is when the blood mingled. The blood of the covenant mingled. And the life of these two tribes, the life that you share with her, the life that you share with him, that's when that life becomes joined across and with these two tribes. So now, indivisible, you can't, once it's joined, you can't extract it, can you? You can't unmix it. This is forever. So what we have is not the blood of cleansing. We're used to blood speaking about cleansing, aren't we? But this is the blood of union. You can separate your hands if you would. Now I want you to imagine these two. <clears throat> Could you hold up your hand? 
the right hand, the one that you just shook together. Can you imagine in years to come, <clears throat> these two individuals would forever bear on the palm of their hand a scar. The scar would be permanently a reminder of the covenant. There's a key word which Mark will be talking about, I think, next week, which is this word, remember. Remember, remember we sang the song? Remember, O oh God, your promise. Remember your children. What does God have in the palm of his hand? What does he have? Okay, Pat's saying he has the names of his people. What form does that name take? What's he got? What's Jesus got? A scar. He's got a scar, hasn't he? In the palm of his hands, which is a permanent remembrance in heaven of the covenant that he made. When we read verses like this, this is in Isaiah 49, it says, Behold, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. It means something new, doesn't it, when we understand this. Very interesting. That same verse, it goes on and it says, Your walls are continually before me. So when God says, I have you inscribed on the palm of my hand, he's talking about you. He's talking about a people. <clears throat> so God remembers his covenant. Thank you, champions. You can sit down. You've done a great, fantastic job. Do you realize now you're permanently joined to him? <clears throat> You've done it now. Yeah. You can swap your coats back. That's okay. Now there. Yes, John. Uh, we need a microphone, please. It just occurred to me that um, when there's that transference of blood, you were saying there's a downside, and I was thinking of diseases. Yeah. And I think there is something in this that we can learn from somehow, somewhere. Um, but it's incredible the the tiny microscopic amount of blood that has the capacity to inoculate viruses and other things from one person to another. Hmm. Um, but if anybody has any insight as the <laughs> power of God, God and the force yeah. of good in that, okay. I don't know. Good. But good. We'll let that one just hang it's, there, John. It's staggeringly, the, the interaction is staggeringly powerful. Yes. Wonderful. And finally, in this this ceremony, this, this event, the last thing to happen was this. That all of the assembled company, they would all get together, they would ratify the covenant and they would celebrate it with a feast. They'd roast these, these things and they would eat. They would eat the sacrifice. And then, this is what they do, they pass round the cup of blessing. They would drink to themselves the blessings that were, had, had been spoken of and enacted in the covenant. Do you know, in some cultures, they would even do this. They would mix the blood of these two champions that they had cut. They would mix it in the drink. And they would pass it around. I'm not suggesting we do that. But do you see what's going on? They would sit and they would celebrate a covenant meal together. They would eat the sacrifice. They would eat the body of the thing that was slaughtered. And they would drink the cup of the blessing that signified to them everything that this covenant was speaking of. Hallelujah! Hallelujah!
<laughs> so, when Jesus said, this is my body, take, eat, do this in remembrance of me. When he said, this is my blood which is given for you, drink ye all of it. He was not only looking back, but he was pointing to something in the future. He was saying, do you know what? There is coming a time when there will be a covenant celebration and it's called this. It's called the marriage supper of the Lamb. And you are invited, you're all invited. Come and sit down with me in this covenant meal and celebrate the covenant. Oh, God. It is, this is amazing, isn't it? I haven't finished yet. Hey, have you, have you, have you got some time? Can we, can we just kind of, yeah? Really, all I want to do is just to try and... Really, I'm going to have to go on for about another 10, 15 minutes. Is that all right? Have we got that? Yeah? Okay. Um, I'm going to ask two people with clear, strong voices to be able to read some scripture for me. <clears throat> um, any volunteers? Yeah? Could you read that one, please, Adrian? This is Genesis 15. Down to there. Yeah. Paul, do you want to read this one for me? This is Genesis. You can do the microphone. Anybody else like to... Um, Adrian. I need to get a volunteer, though, for this. Claire, you can... Thank you. I'll give you the references, just quickly. This is Genesis 15, 1 to 11, and then verses 17 to 21, <coughs> if you're making notes. And then Genesis 17, verses 1 to 11. Um, I thought we'd better have some scripture in here, you know, just to kind of make this proper. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield, your very great reward. To Abraham said... Can you say it with some enthusiasm? <laughs> with, with some... <laughs> Imagine you're God yeah. and you're saying that to Abraham. Yeah? Do it in ten minutes. <laughs> but Abraham said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliza of Damascus? And Abraham said... You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. Abraham believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. Hang on, we haven't finished yet. Keep going. <laughs> he also said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of your, out of the Chaldeans to give you this land to take possession of it. But Abraham said, Sovereign Lord, how can I know that I shall gain possession of it? So the Lord said to him, Bring me a heifer, a goat, and a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. Abraham brought all these to him, cut them into and arranged the half, halves opposite each other. The birds, however, he did not cut in half. Then birds of prey came down on the carcasses, but Abraham drove them away. When the sun had set and darkness had fallen, a smoke embrasure with a blazing torch appeared and passed between to the pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham and said, To your descendants I give this land from the Wadai 
of Egypt to the great river, the Euphrates. The land of the Kenites... Sorry, I don't need to read all the tribes. <clears throat> right. Um, he gave him loads of places with loads of people living in it. That's right, isn't it? Claire, let's have the... Uh, Chapter 17, verse 11, verse So when Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. And then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abraham fell face down and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be father of many nations, and no longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you, and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you, and your descendants after you for the generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan, where you now reside as a foreigner, I will give as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. And then God said to Abraham, Abraham, as for you, you must keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you for the generations to come. And this is my covenant with you and your descendants after you, the covenant you are to keep. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You are to undergo circumcision, and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and you. Thank you. So first of all, God makes this covenant with Abraham, or Abram, by passing through the two halves of this animal, passing through this field of blood. And then later, God appears to Abraham and he says, now, I'm going to do all these things for you. I'm going to be your God. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to multiply you. And you are to walk before me blameless. And I am going to require this of you, that you keep the covenant by making a mark in your flesh that shall be a constant reminder to you of your covenant with me. We, we have entered through what the Bible describes as the new and living way through the body of Christ. We have walked through this field of blood with the body of Jesus as that new and living way. And not, not by circumcision of the flesh, but the Bible tells us that we personally enter into this covenant with God at our baptism when it says that Jesus is the one who circumcises our heart, the fountain of blood. So we have entered into this new covenant through this new and living way. Now, what we've done, hopefully, is try and capture, recapture, something of what is contained in that notion of the covenant as it's been practiced throughout history and across cultures. But I just want to finish off with this. So what have we got now? What does this mean for us? Okay, right, follow me. We have the man tribe. We have the God tribe. God himself decided from the beginning that the two would always be one. God always intended that there should be this covenant between man and God. God himself has set the terms. He says, I will be your shield. Your offspring will be as countless 
as the stars. Remember, we are the sons of Abraham. I will be your God and the God of your descendants after you. Sharon, we were praying this morning, weren't we? About you and your descendants. There's going to be, there's a promise which holds good that God is in constant remembrance of for you and your descendants. He says, walk before me faithfully and, and blameless. Cut your flesh as a sign of the covenant between me and you. We've talked about that. <clears throat> so, the man tribe, the God tribe, God says they're always going to be one. God has set the terms. And now, he says, let's have a champion. Well, we have a champion. And his name is Jesus. And we are in him. Our blood is flowing in his veins. I'm enjoying this already. The covenant ground, the field of blood has been selected and it's called Calvary. A sacrifice is slaughtered and the blood flows. Remember they pierced his side and the blood and water flowed out. Now these things are all kind of coming together. These are all pictures that God has created for us. But as we heard earlier on, there's been an exchange God has said to our champion, here's my coat. Can we have one for Alan? God has said to our champion, here's my coat, here's my authority, here's everything that I represent, here is my position. And our, camp our champion, remember we are in him, now wears the coat of God. Um, might be off the side, but I'm just thinking when you're saying all this that the God tribe and the man tribe mm. actually meet in Jesus. Yes, yes. <clears throat> now, there's a stunning truth behind that because if we're in Christ, Christ is in God, where are we? Absolutely. See, what Adam was talking about last week, this covenant, it, it is God. And he says, I've just included you in it. Let me continue. So this, our champion, he's, he's received the coat, God's coat. He's received the heavenly weapons. We heard about Ephesians 6. These things are all at the disposal of mankind. Can you imagine this? And this is us thing if you like in the spirit but Jesus and the father they walk the field of blood just as our two champions did they walk and they come together and together there they rehearse the terms of this covenant and can you imagine Jesus just repeating that word of scripture which says this it's written in the body of the book. Behold, I have come to do your will. In other words, Jesus is saying, for my part, I'm expressing obedience to the covenant. And God, the Father, he responds to Jesus and he says, my beloved son, I am so pleased with you. And in that moment, all the terms, all the, the detail of the covenant, Jesus fulfilled in his life. And as he did so, he appropriated for us all the blessings that God had stored up 
in that covenant. And then we just hear, we hear a faint muttering. It's, a, it's like stage whispers off, aside from the field of blood. Imagine this. Imagine the demons coming in here and saying, uh, excuse me, just a minute. Haven't you forgot about the tribe? Haven't you forgotten? They, they've messed this up big time. They've broken the terms of this covenant. Excuse me, there is some divine justice here to be enacted, isn't there? And in that moment, the champion, you hear him say this, not my will, but yours be done. And in that moment, in the field of blood, on the site of Calvary, the full force of covenant justice was delivered upon the head of Jesus. All the curse, all the consequences of a broken covenant fell upon the head of Jesus. I think for the first time I get that. Why? I always wondered why the demonic forces or Satan didn't realize what was going on. And because they're in this, I guess, they're in the spirit world. They know Jesus is God. So they thought he was from the God tribe, I suppose. So therefore, there's still an issue mm. with the man tribe. And they didn't see the switch because mm. they only ever saw him as God. We didn't. We saw him as a man. But mm. Yeah, thank mm. you. So here we are, in the field of blood. The Lamb of God lies slain. Just think of a, think for a moment, the picture of the Passover sacrifice, where the angel of death passed over because there was a lamb that had been slain. God was making provision. God had always made provision for our failure and our weakness. And he said, there's a lamb. There's a lamb. Now, the lamb lies slain in the field of blood. All has gone quiet. And then, we hear a voice. We hear a voice in heaven. And the voice of heaven says, Death shall not have the victory. Son of mine, come forth. At that moment, the Holy Spirit, who acts upon the word of God, comes upon that slain lamb and brings him back to the power of an indestructible resurrection life. I agree. I agree. Death and the demons have been defeated. The lamb who once was slain has been raised. Now here's something. There was a whole tribe witnessing this event. When that word was spoken in heaven, Son, come forth. It didn't just land on him. It landed on the whole tribe. And the whole tribe burst into life under the Spirit's power, burst into the power of eternal life that was on Him. 
At that point, at that point, the Son of Man, Jesus, the champion, who cut the covenant on our behalf, who stands in the full authority, the full endowment of God, he has distributed all of that. He says, now, my people, my people, you are in me. All of this, all of this is yours. It's all yours. And what remains? What remains but to celebrate the covenant? Let's have a covenant party. Let's eat the sacrifice. Let's drink the cup of blessing. Let's enter into this covenant of God that he has made at such a price and at such a cost, but which he had planned from the beginning so that you and I could be joined to the God tribe. Amen? Amen? Isn't God amazing? Um, I just, I, I would love for us just to be able to honour God. Let's just give Him one great round of applause. You can, you can stay sitting down if you can. But I just want us to give the Lord all the glory, all the honour. Let's give the risen champion, let's give Him praise. Let's declare His worth. Let's say thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus, for walking, walking the field of blood. Thank you that you are the lamb that was slain. Thank you, Lord, for the blood of life that you have mingled with God. Thank you, Lord, you have included us in the covenant of blessing. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for this holy covenant which goes on from generation to generation, we give you praise, oh God. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen, amen, amen.